0: First of March, Friday, big sports breakfast. Good morning to you if you're just tuning in. And uh, we're under Ray, baby. Bring it on Sunday afternoon in Vegas. And the market's currently with tab for the season openers. Manly, $2, slight outsiders. The bunnies holding favourites, isn't that? market's got very tight. $1.80 the bunnies, minus one and a half at the line. The roosters, $2.35. Three and a half point outsiders at the line with Tab Brisbane, a dollar sixty for that one, or minus three and a half at the line, and uh, we've got the cricket, of course, resuming day two today, and Australia a pretty good day yesterday after being sent in on a green top, got to nine for two seventy nine, and Cameron Green the hero, one hundred and three not out of one hundred and fifty five deliveries. Uh, Mitch Marsh was pretty good as well with 40. In fact, the openers went well. 31 Steve Smith, 33 Usman Kawaja saw us almost through to lunch with that opening stand. Pretty good considering we were sent in. And uh, Pup, I mean, we, as I said earlier this morning, you never judge a pitch until both sides are batted. But if we had to choose a team in front on day one, it's clearly us, isn't
1: it? Well, I think you've got to remember, New Zealand won the toss and sent us into bat. So that's definitely Australia's day. If you're sending a team in and picking four quicks, you definitely want to be batting by the end of that day's play as, as as a captain. So, I think Australia again. I think New Zealand probably weren't at their best. They they bowled a bit short, particularly with the brand new ball. Um, that partnership of Kawaja and Smith uh, only only to, to only be one down at lunch. I think was outstanding by the Aussie top order, and then Cameron Green and Mitchell Marsh, but Cameron Green particularly um, exceptional innings. Even the way he played with the tail and um, found those boundaries as well to bring up his. 100, Exceptional. So, if Australia can, you know, call it another 10 runs, get past that 300 mark, I think that's a brilliant performance considering we were sent in. You know, you see wickets like those and you get sent in to bat, you're all out for 160, 180. So, I think to be able to scratch out close to 300 or call it 300 plus, um, now we have to come out and bowl the right length. I think this is the opportunity where you might see um, the difference. In class of attacks, and I guess I speak highly always of this Australian attack. Well, this is their opportunity. It's going to be better to bat today than it was yesterday because it would have hardened up a little bit. I think they they're forecast a bit of sunshine as well. But I still think if Australia bowled the right length, New Zealand are going to find it hard to make mm. 250 plus.
0: So the season launch is tonight our time. Or soon, or later this afternoon our time, over there in Vegas and Loz. uh, Give us an indication of the vibe there. And have you heard any reports of, you know, people going too hard too early?
2: Um, No, I haven't, Mido. I think everyone's been pretty good. Um, Just generally chatting to a lot of people. I think they're just all excited for the football to start. And obviously being over here in Vegas, they never anticipated that an NRL season would launch like this. People are obviously trying to do a lot of things while they're here and going to the launch tonight will be one of those things. Um, but in terms of people launching, so to speak, I haven't seen too many that I know of, but there are plenty of people that just rip in right from the time they get up to the time they go to bed. I've got no doubt about that. Well,
0: we just saw, I just saw a graphic come up on the Today Show screen in here. Jonathan Thurston missing question mark, but uh, I'm sure that's a joke. Pup's worried Pup's worried oh, that no, JT's I'm, I'm, actually missing. No,
1: I thought it was like <laughs> somebody's obviously questioned it because he's not in He's not in Vegas. Mm. But are, not, are the Channel 9 guys in Vegas? Have I, they all, or they will, will been, be flying over? I think there'd be a couple. I know the Fox men. guys are there, but yeah. you'd assume that 9
0: would be there as well. Well, I think it's been commentated from back here by 9, but I,
1: I'm, I'm assuming it's they're going to send think, their big
0: cheeses. Yeah,
1: you'd think that would still send some over yeah. there for sure. So, yeah. Anyway, I did see that uh, on the bottom of the screen as well. I reckon he'll be okay. I hope he's okay. Yeah. Uh, okay, Adam Pengilly
0: is joining us from the Sydney Morning Herald. How are you, Adam? Morning, morning, middle, morning,
3: boys. And I think to answer your question, Clark, yeah, I think there's a couple have gone over from Channel Nine. I think Freddie's over there. Okay. He's definitely doing the sideline from uh, Allegiant Stadium. Uh, I think Jonathan Thurston was going, but I think they're probably going to call the game from back on the TV back here. Okay.
0: Uh, and it looks like the ticket sales, it's probably going to exceed expectations.
3: This is the one thing that surprised me, though, because it was the one thing I was worried about heading into this venture, Mm. and all reports were late last year, and even in January, the ticket sales were were fairly sluggish, and we're probably looking at maybe a crowd of 30,000, and you're probably worried about how that 30,000 would look in such a massive stadium like Allegiant uh, stadium, but the good news is they've worked their butts off in the last couple of weeks, and you're exactly right. If they can get it above 40,000, maybe even touch 45, potentially even get close to 50, that's going to be a fantastic result for the NRL to to have the atmosphere in that ground really be bubbling along for the for the double header and be a good look back to the TVs back home as well. So, yeah, I don't know what they've done, but this promotional blitz the last couple of weeks seems to have worked pretty well. So, they get anything over 40,000, you'd have to say, would be a massive, massive success.
1: Adam, does it matter if, you know, if it's 30,000 or 50,000? If it's Aussies flown over, is that not... Irrelevant? Aren't they? Aren't they trying to create new eyes, whether that be on TV or at the ground? Would they prefer? Would they prefer thirty thousand but ten thousand to be new eyes rather than fifty thousand Australians that have flown over? Or does that make? Yeah, any difference?
3: Probably, no, no. You probably make a pretty good point, Clarky, because that's the whole point of these ventures to try and open it up to a new market. They yeah. want Americans watching this game, whether it's in person at the ground or on Fox Sports One, which they're going to get promotion and and coverage of the game, that's, that's what they want. But I think just for the first time, you just want to have a really good crowd. It doesn't yeah. matter where they're from, whether they're from Australia, New Zealand, from England, America. If you can get a really good crowd the first year, hopefully they'll put it in people's minds and build the, build the um, momentum for the following yeah, year. Okay. So I think, I think Peter Valandis and Andrew Abdo will be watching the TV ratings very, very closely from Fox Sports 1 over there in America. I think mean, Peter's been on the record saying he wants to have the NRL on that channel throughout the course of the season every week to try and, I suppose, ingrain it in the, in the eyes of some Americans who, who watch that particular platform. That's going to be the big challenge for them, isn't it? Continuing the interest beyond this Las Vegas doubleheader. But I reckon anything over 40000 is a great, great get for the, for the very first year.
2: Yeah. yeah, I think you're right there, Adam. I think the key will be to get it shown on television at least once a week. And if they can do that, then they might start to get what they want out of it. Um, but mm. you know, a one-off... Game, people are interested. There's plenty of people um, that I'm speaking to, uh, the Americans here. uh, They know the game is being played. Now, whether they are going to the game or not, that's a a different matter. But i said to the boys earlier, I've noticed a lot of English people over here. So there's a Mm. lot of English people that have made the trip over to watch an NRL game which raises the question about I think you mentioned it earlier the possibility of maybe that World Club Challenge game being played here yeah I just see the possibilities lots to have some rugby league
3: over there for a couple of weeks and you, can, you could have the World Club Challenge played with the the winners of the NRL against the winners of the Super League maybe a week before and then why couldn't you have the NRL start their season over there with a double doubleheader or, or one game and also have the Super League have a have a competition game over there as well and then you can make it a I suppose, a real extravaganza for a week or so. I understand the costs and logistics would be extremely difficult for that, but we know that English supporters, they travel, don't they, Lois? They, they, they love traveling yeah, they to do. support their teams. So why wouldn't they want to drop on a plane? It's only a shorter flight to go to Vegas, obviously, from the UK than these to come all the way down to Australia. I, I can understand how that potentially could work in, in future years.
0: Uh, some Dragons news. You've written about Ben Hunt in today's Herald. And what's going on with Luciano Le Lua?
3: Yeah, not surprising, Mido, but he's copped a breach notice from the NRL over the strength driving charge, which he appeared in uh, Townsville Court a couple of weeks ago before he was cut by the Cowboys, or released by the Cowboys, I should say, and the NRL have handed down that breach notice, uh, they proposed a two-game sanction, so that means he's probably going to miss the first couple of games of the year for the Dragons, providing they don't want to fight that that charge, which sets up a pretty mouth-watering return, if that's the case, because I think the Dragons play the Cowboys in Round 3, so... Uh, they need to hit the ground running this year, the Dragons. They've got the Titans and the Dolphins in the first two weeks. They'd want to try and at least win one of those games, if not both of those games. They're big so in the offseason. They want him there, but unfortunately it won't look like that. So let's hope for Luchi to be back in round three and um, the Dragons can get their season up and running early in the year.
2: I know we're going to get your top eight off you later, and I'm unsure of whether you had the Cowboys in your top eight uh, or not. But obviously they released Luciano because they've... Mm got that depth in the back row. But then overnight, the news came through that Cohen Hess is out for the season with an ACL injury as well. So they're two uh, big-name players that the Cowboys are going to miss and, uh, miss. and I think that hurts their chances of making the top eight.
3: Yeah, I agree with you, Like uh, Cohen Hess, I thought, had a really good year last year. You could probably argue for a couple of years before that he was probably a little bit down on his best form. But I thought he was back to somewhere near his best last year. It was a really crucial part of that forward pass. If you take him out of the equation for a year... They now lost Luciano Leilua. And to be fair, they've still got a fair bit of depth in that back row with Nanai and Luki and uh That's that's still a pretty strong uh formation or for your edge back rowers. But having said that, yeah, I just I don't haven't been in my top eight loss. I've I've left them out, to be honest. Oh, right. Um I think they're gonna be on the fringes again all year like they were last year. They had a really slow start to the year last year, which cost them. They had some momentum throughout the the middle part of the year, but couldn't quite finish it off. I just think they're going to be one of those teams that's going to be in a scramble for those bottom parts of the top eight and maybe just comes up short. Uh, the Bulldogs, who have they signed? Yeah, Zane Tedovano this has been forecast a little bit. What a, what a story in terms of him coming back to playing rugby league. He was with Leeds last year and he had a stroke during training. Like, it's remarkable to think. And subsequent tests found he actually had a hole in his heart and he had some surgery, obviously, performed on, on his heart after that. He's been given the all-clear. We know the Bulldogs are struggling big time to try and add some depth to that front row um, rotation, and there's just not a whole lot out there on the market. So Cameron Seraldo and Gus have identified Zane Terevano as the man. He's obviously part of a successful system. The is there for a couple of years when they won back-to-back premierships. He helped Penrith make the 2020 grand final. So, yeah, he's getting a little bit older now, obviously at 33, 34 years old. But he'll provide a bit of experience and hopefully a bit of, a, a bit of depth in that front row for them this year. Give us a look at it, buddy. What is
1: your top eight for the
3: yeah, season? Yeah, I'm a little bit different from a couple of other people. I've, I've gone through my top eight in order. A bit of a surprise to me, but I think the Warriors can actually go deep into this competition. i am actually tipped them to win the minor premiership. I think they were great last year, and adding guys like Roger tuivasa Shek and Kurt Capel, I think definitely strengthens their squad. But I think the one key for them is they're not going to be interrupted by origin throughout that middle mm-hmm. part of the year. I think they can rack up a stack of wins throughout the middle part of the year, and I'm not surprised to see them. Finish in the top four, so I've got them as the minor premiers. Penrith obviously speak for themselves. Melbourne Storm, I think, will bounce back this year. I've got them third. I think the Roosters can round out the top four. And when you look at that Roosters squad, look at the players who are missing out on round one this year. It's, it's, it's phenomenal, mido, when you think about it. Angus Crichton, like, I've got big wraps on Egan Butcher, Connor Watson. They can't even make their team for round one. And then you've got Jared Warrior, Hardrees, and Dom Young unavailable. So for me, anything less than a grand final appearance for the Roosters is a massive failure this year. I think the rest of my top eight, I've got the Eels in fifth. As I forecast early in, the, early in the week, I think they'll have a much improved year this year. But the Broncos regressing slightly. I just think the, the origin period might take a bit of a toll on some of those guys. And to round out my top eight, I've got the Seagulls and the Sharks. I've left out the Rabbitohs a little bit controversially. I'm just not quite sure where they sit this year. I just, I don't know. I thought there were some really worrying signs at the end of last year. And I think Campbell Graham being out for the majority of the season is a massive, massive blow for them. And I've also left out the Cowboys and the Knights. So uh, it's going to be a really, really tight competition, but that's my top eight for this year.
1: None of us has given the Knights much love, have we? No, we copped some stick about it We too. did cop some stick. Yeah. But yeah. fair enough too. They were brilliant last oh. year. With, <laughs> Can't have a ball. With Ponga, nice. if he's fit for the entire... Oh. Like we talk about Tommy T and how important he is for Manly. Mm-hmm. If you got a Ponger Ponga like, like we saw last year, we could all be wrong. Mm, definitely.
2: Yeah. Unfortunately though, with... With Kalen, whether we like it or not, though, is that that one head knock away from spending an extended period on the sideline. And if he stays on the sideline, like do you give the Newcastle Knights? Absolutely not a chance of going on a run of winning, you know, four or five games while he's out on the sideline. I'm unsure now if if he can replicate what he did last year. There's no doubt that they can play final football because they're a very good side. But you've got to leave teams out and you've got to take a gamble somewhere along the line. But, yeah, now at Newcastle, I can understand their supporters being frustrated with us because they would think that they're a, a genuine chance of finishing in the top four.
0: You've got a bit of a, well, uh, I would say, well, what would normally be a smoky, you can't bet on it anymore, but the Dally M, who are you going for there? Yeah.
3: You know, I've got a bit of a theory here. I reckon if you look at the last sort of three or four Dalian medal winners, it doesn't necessarily come from the, the top, top teams. And I'm talking about the Panthers, the Storm, the Roosters, they, the Broncos. They teams that have so many stars. And they sort of share points a little bit, I think. If you go back through the last few years, who's won the Dalian medal? Like Jack Whiten, I think Tom Turbo, um, Nico Hines, and then obviously last year, Caelan Ponga. I reckon you've got to find a team that sort of, going to win a few games, but might not necessarily be in the top four, but they can win a lot of points. It's going to be a standout for their team most weeks. And I'm tipping Scott Drinkwater to have a big year this year, even though I haven't got the Cowboys making the finals. I think he can rack up a ton of points this year. I thought he was great last year. And he just might fit that little pattern or mold. I think I've sort of stumbled upon for guys who can win the Dalian medal. So, Bit of a smoky, but I think Scott Drinklaw can have a big year in poll. A lot of votes to go close to winning the Dally M.
0: And so many futures markets on the tab app. And you've looked at some of the uh, season wins. So where you can bet over under. Yep. And uh, you've got, what have you gone here?
3: Yeah, I think Parramatta can definitely get over an 11.5 wins. Middow. I think if so they win half their games, so they'll make the finals. 11.5 is too low for them. So I've gone Parramatta, the over 11.5 wins. Same with the Warriors. The, the line's been set at 12.5 for them. I think they can win much more than 12.5 games this year. I think the team, I think the line's been set a little bit too high for mine is the Titans. Uh, it's been set at 10 and a half. I can't see them getting to 11 wins this year. So I'm happy to back the Titans to, to, to win less than 10 and a half games. In terms of tro- top try scorers, Mido, I think Lossy Khan-Pereira from the Titans had a great year last year. He'll score a bunch of tries again this year. He's lightning quick. And down that left edge, I think he can score plenty of tries for them. Ryan Papanau is in Mido. We'll see $67 to, to be top try scorer, I think. I checked last night. Um, yeah, have a look. I know he's had a ton of injuries the last couple of years, but when he's on the field, his strike rate for scoring tries is phenomenal. He's one of the best support players I think we've seen in the NRL for the last 10 or 15 years. If Melbourne have a successful year and he can stay on the park, he can score a bunch of tries as well. And I've got a bit of a job for you, Middo. You know, try and find out if you can get this guy into the markets because I couldn't find him last night. Xavier Savage for the Raiders. Sure. Uh, he has is, been is, named on the wing to play in the first couple of trials. I'm not quite sure if he's going to keep his spot all year, but he's a genuine try-scorer. I think playing on the wing for them, he might be able to rack up a bunch of tries as well. And I think I saw around town somewhere, he's 500 to one to be top try-scorer in the competition. So he might be worth a very small peanut to get amongst it later this
0: year. Okay, I'll uh, send an email to Dicko to ensure that that's put in the market. Uh, The top try-scorer market for the season, which you can find under NRL Futures, by the way. Alex Johnston, who's 26 away from Ken Irvine's records, the $7 favourite from Dallinwood, 10. He's at 10, Dominic Young, 11. Then to Greg Marzou and Jermaine Asako at 13, 15 and longer, all the other options. Uh, we've got to talk some racing quickly, though, Adam. And uh, you've got a leg in the multi with Loz away in Vegas. And uh, Hobbo, our man, it's his last day full-time <laughs> with us, has taken the other leg. And his leg is in the surround stakes. He's gone the favourite learning to fly to run top two. And you're looking earlier in the day, and tell us what you've gone with.
3: Yeah, race to number two, Moravia Meadows, to finish top two. I thought his first up run was fair enough. I think he should be improved with that. And I think the speed mark gives him so many favours in this race, just hopefully stalking our Kobe son there from that middle draw. So I'm fairly confident he can run top two. And on a day where there's a lot of shorties on the program... I think the best value might come up later in the day. You know, race nine, number one, no, race nine, number one Um I know she probably wants to get over a little bit further, but I went back to her first up run last preparation in the wing Stakes. She was desperately lucky not to be in the finish there. I think she can run really well in the guy, Walter Stakes. I know Chris Wallace, May's Hinge, Alentia are dominating the market at the moment. I think Duace can go very close to winning that race. So that's race nine, number one. Juice is the best value on the program.
0: $6.50 currently with TAB. Dicko says you'll get Xavier Savage put in the top tri-scorer market and the multi in its usual spot on the TAB app and website just under Sports and Today's Offers. Moravia top two, learning to fly top two. $4.25 currently with TAB. And, uh, mate, you have a great weekend. Welcome back to the Big Sports Breakfast. Phil Moss coming up shortly. Now, I've just been advised of the Mark Hunter Ruffy. Uh, for the meeting, the Australian Giddies meeting at Flemington tomorrow. Uh, courtesy of our friends at RSN. Thank you for sending this through. Jared Daffy and everyone there. So race three, number 11 at Flemington tomorrow. Southern Fire, trained by Stephen Brown. Craig Williams in the saddle. Southern Fire, race three, number 11. Mark Hunters, Ruffy, And uh, Southern Fire is paying $16 to win currently with Tab and $4.40. To place now tomorrow's another big day on the Gold Coast. It's the Ronald McDonald House Charities Southeast Queensland Race Day at the Gold Coast Turf Club. The club and all involved, they're raising essential funds for sick kids and their families. Now the theme this year is one sunny race day and is bringing Palm Springs and Pastels to the shores of the Gold Coast. On the track, the racing will certainly be terrific. E tracks tomorrow. A random selected jockey will be wearing Ronald McDonald House Charity silks plus a red and white checked hat. Now, for each race that jockey places, Racing Queensland and the Gold Coast Turf Club will donate $1,500 for first place, $1,000 for second and $500 for third. So anyone in the area, be sure to get involved. Enjoy a great day out at the Gold Coast Turf Club, Ronald McDonald House Charities. They do a sterling job. Certainly do. For sick kids and their families. Yep. Uh, so, Mossy's not far away. Loz over there in Vegas. Just some news with the Storm, Laws, 20-year-old sewer far Alongo. He's re-signed on a five-year deal. Uh, that's a lot of faith for a bloke who's played one NRL game. But, gee, didn't he make an impression there in round 27 against the Broncos last year? He was a star on that occasion. We saw him play for Samoa as well. So... He's about to turn 21, still 20 but a five-year deal there at the Melbourne Storm and he's come up through the Victorian system as well. Yes, a Samoan kid but he's basically grown up in Melbourne.
2: Yeah, and I think that's the key, you know, the fact that he's come up through that system. There's a pathway there for young rugby league players in Melbourne if they want to make a career out of rugby league and the Melbourne Storm have proven to be one of the most successful franchises we've ever had. Craig Bellamy's done a remarkable job with them. They've got High-quality players. They're always very consistent. Uh, And this young boy just adds to their talent that they've got on their roster. And it gives them some cover if something happened to Ryan Pappenhausen. And we saw how good he was in his debut. And then when he played for Samoa uh, in that um, Tri-Nations series at the end of last year, I thought he was terrific. So that's not only a good boost for Melbourne uh, to have him re-signing for five years. But the fact he's come through the pathway system there, he was a development player. Other players down there now look and see what he, what they're capable of doing and, and looking and seeing that there's a pathway for them. They don't have to move. They can stay in Melbourne. They can develop their skill and craft and then hopefully one day become an NRL player. So that that's a good signing for Melbourne. Uh,
0: just uh, the Titans. Interesting to see Adam Pengilly had the Titans under 10.5 wins this season. I just see that, uh, well, Big Tino's responded to rumours. He and David Fafita had a decent spat at training. And, and uh, Tino's told News Corp, you know, it was nothing. It was all about keeping each other honest. But the interesting thing with Fafita Loz, is he, he's got until round 10 to activate a clause if he wants to end his three-year deal. This came off the back of Justin Holbrook's sacking. 24-year-old will miss the first month of the season as well with a pec injury. Uh, so be, that's one certainly to watch. You'd think you'd back Dez, though. For everything that's said about Dez Hasler, players have always sort of loved playing for him. Uh, you always well, hear he's that, that he's got coach. a great rapport with the players. So you'd back Dez to ensure that is still there beyond next season or this season.
2: Oh, I would. I, I'd give... Uh, David Fafita every chance of staying up there at the Titans one that he, he loves the program uh, two yes he may have had a close relationship with Justin Holbrook but I reckon he'll build a great relationship with Des as well and Des is always renowned for being that good man manager and bring being able to bring the best out in players so we saw David Fafita have his most consistent year last year and I'd expect him to be better this season under Des I think he'll learn a lot um, the fact now he's got that um, confidence to play well at origin level I think that will help his game um, he's a barnstorming back rower he's not a you know, work rate type of back rower that we've come to expect from some players uh, but I thought his work rate last year was significantly higher than what it had been in previous years and he looked to get involved and you know having Kieran Forum there certainly helped get him uh, involved in games. I think they adjusted to the angles and the, the lines that the Fafita liked to run. Um, and it just sort of gelled for them as the season went on. So I'm assuming with Des being there, bringing a bit more knowledge to his game, I think will only help him. And if he's playing as well as he did or better than what he did last year, then there's no reason why he wouldn't re-sign.
0: Well, they won nine games last year, the Titans. And uh, we got their over under a tab at ten and a half last year, amidst a bit of turmoil with a changing coach, etc. I reckon I'd back them getting two more wins this year. Adam, Adam Pengilly took the under. I reckon I'd take the over. Not quite made the eight, but I can see them getting eleven or twelve wins. Loss. If you had to yeah, pick well, a side over under ten and a half of the Titans, what would you pick?
2: I'd say over. Hmm. I'm expecting them to win at least eleven games because because I think they'll be pushing and knocking on the door for a final spot. I've left them out of my top eight, but I, I would see them being there with a couple of games to go, still a chance of making the finals. Um, and I, I think I think 11 or 12 games is realistic for the Titans. Um, if they get more than that, they've had a bloody good year. Um, I think they've got strike in their team, you know, with Jaden Campbell, Brimson now in the centres. Um, a lot. They'll rely a lot on Kieran Foran as the, as the five eighth as they always do. Uh, but their forward pack stacks up against most. And uh, Des's knowledge and experience and just a bit of drive and a bit of hardness to their team um, and making everyone accountable, I think that will help improve them. But are they going to be good enough to make the finals? We're about to find out.
0: The West Tigers' season wins is set at 7.5. You won four last year. Take it. So you're going to take the over?
1: I'm taking seven and a half right now.
0: So do you think they'll win eight games no. this year? Okay, so you're taking the under. Yeah, I thought that was a bit ambitious. And Loz, the Tigers are set at seven and a half wins. Your Raiders, $1. eighty-seven each of two, is set at only eight and a half wins. Or eight and that. a half. So for you, you'd be, uh, well, considering they won 13 last year, are they going to, win 5 less uh, that's what you'd have to think to take the under so oh, well, for yeah, you, when you and you've got them in your 8 that, that, that for you, if you think they're going to make the 8 that's free money in your head if, you're, if it's oh, set at 8.5 well,
2: I think they win the Raiders, I, 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 they're a bit like the Titans, I, I see them winning over 10 games possibly not more than 13 but I, I think that this year a side can win 12 games and make the finals so I've got the Raiders in my top eight, and I think they will win 12 to 13 games. That, that's my prediction for them. Um, and Jack is going to be a big loss. I understand that. But I still think people are under underestimating the ability they've got in this team. They've got some youth. Uh, they've got an experienced forward pack, and they compete hard. And, and that's a Ricky, Strait, uh, Ricky Stewart trait of his footy teams. They They compete... And you've got to be on your game to beat them, and they'll win games at home. They they are just tough to beat down there. So, look, I I would have them. What is it? Eight and a half. Eight and a half. It's set out every day of the week. Yeah. every day of the week, I'll be winning more than eight and a half games.
1: Gosh. This time of the year, though, it's like oh. there's there's no one finishing in the bottom four <laughs> this time of the year. Like everyone's everyone's pumped. Like, even mm. you speak to, and so you should if you're part of a like uh part of a coaching staff or part of a team set up, of course you're going to spruik your team and and talk about how fit they are and we've got these young superstars coming through or the old guy, like, Luttrell's never been fitter and stronger. I I feel like I've heard that for the last 10 seasons. Training the house down. Mate, like, (laughs) someone has to come last. There has to be a bottom four. But, yeah, I think, like, Loz copped a bit of stick about having Raiders in his eight. But, mate, I'd be giving Loz more stick if he didn't put his team in the eight. Like, if it wasn't for me being petrified of us winning the wooden spoon again, if I'd have the Tigers in the eight, just because they're your team, you yeah. want to support your but, team, you know what But you know
2: what, Clucky, while they are my team, you still I, I think, think yeah, yeah. yeah you I genuinely yeah. think they yep. they can win yep. ten to thirteen games. So yep. if they can win twelve games, that might be enough to get them into the final. Yep. So that's what I've based it on. And around. as you've
1: said, there's probably five teams in that exact same situation, and you had yes. to pick one for that eighth position.
2: Yeah, and probably my loyalty there lies yeah. with going with the Raiders. Yeah, of course. But in so terms of, be. do I actually believe that the Raiders can make the finals? You do bloody oath, I do. Yeah,
1: yeah.
0: Gosh, Knights fans should feel disrespected as well after winning fourteen games last year. they're over under set at eleven and a half, uh, over a dollar eighty, under a dollar ninety five.
1: Why is it like? Why is there that take on the Knights? Because they were brilliant.
0: I, I guess. We know, as Loz mentioned earlier, Ponga. we know Pong's. but we can, a risk. That, mate, we
1: can say that we can say that about Reese Walsh, or you can say that about Tommy T, T or you can say that about a number of players. Like, th- yeah, th- there I think is the thing risk. with Ponga though,
2: I think with Kalen though, it's it's more the uh, yes, you can get an injury, but with a head head knock, yeah. whereas the others they might get a head knock. But they but won without Ponga no last year as well. Yeah, 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 they did. Yeah, and 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 I'm I might be being disrespectful to the other players, by... Not rating them as highly, but I think Kalen has a big influence in that footy team. Yeah, for sure. And without him, I just think that they just can't win a lot of games in a row. But with him, if he plays the way he did last year, Mm. there's no reason why Newcastle can't be one of those sides that I've left out of my top eight. That could force their way into the top five or top four. That's how well a footy team they were playing last year. They went on that roll towards the back end of the season and they played brilliant football.
0: How are you Mossy?
4: I'm a lot better than Paul Pogba, you know.
0: I saw four year debt ban for doping these days with Juventus of course so four years he's been done for
4: which brings him back at the age of 34 if his appeal is unsuccessful Mm -hmm. of course the France World Cup winner Manchester United uh, star and and now playing at Juve as you said but
1: uh, is that career over Mossy? Oh, if he is found guilty? Well, he's been found guilty
4: and he's been banned. So oh, it's d- it's four it's four years. He's got to appeal the appeal the ban now.
1: So okay, the appeal um, doesn't come off. Come back at thirty four. Yeah. Is that is that career done? I, I think so. I mean, gee whiz.
4: You know, he's a he's a box to box midfielder. Um, you know. <laughs> I think that's very hard to come back from. Apparently it was a supplement in food that was recommended to him in the US. Um it's funny, you know, I shouldn't cast aspersions, but it's amazing how many athletes get done for doping and, and come out and say that, you know, they never willingly took anything. Um, has that, has, that has was...
1: anyone ever come out and said, yes, I have <laughs> taken performance-enhancing drugs to make me a better athlete for the sport I get paid an absolute truckload for? Has anyone Not, ever done that?
4: <laughs> Not that I can think yeah, of, part, but Yeah, uh, me either. Yeah, but anyway, it's, look, it's... Uh, it's big news. It's massive news over there because the World Cup winner, you know, he's a big, big name. Um, there was huge fallouts, obviously, at Manchester United uh, before he left to go to Italy and, um, or back to Italy, I should say. Um, so, yeah, let's uh, wait and see if the appeal's successful. But um, it, it sounds like it was pretty, uh, pretty damning evidence.
0: Okay, the Matildas uh, against Uzbekistan the other night. Uh, that was, <laughs> let's face it what, a was it, what do you even call that? Uh, but, you know, all credit to them. But, gee, gives Tony Gustafsson a lot to think about as far as how he's going to whittle that squad down to 18 for the Paris Games.
4: Yeah, that's right. You, you Look, you call it a, a clinical training run um, in front of 54,000 people. Um, you know, that's what it was the other night. Michelle Heyman, fantastic. Five goals in 64 minutes um, over both legs. Um, after six years out from the Matildas, I think it was eight years since she scored for the Matildas, Uh, 35 years of age, she was not, it it wasn't just the goals, it was her general play. You know, we're desperate to find someone to fill the boots of Sam Kerr. Is she Sam Kerr? Of course she's not, but um, her general play, the way she links up with the midfield, the way she sets a platform up front, there was a lot of good signs there from Michelle Heyman about what we need for this Olympic Games. And I've said it many times this, this group of Matilda's will leave a legacy of that, there is no doubt, but most of it is. Around the sport, women's sport, um, working conditions for for female athletes. Um, but unless they medal at this Olympic Games, and I don't care what Tony Gustafson says about you know medals don't define success, at that level they do. And with a golden generation, um, this team really needs to step up at this Olympic Games and um, and show how good they are by finishing on uh, on the dice.
2: Just on that then, Mossy, because we were wondering how the game soccer, the game, would capitalise on the World Cup after it was played here in Australia. Now, from what you've seen since that World Cup, is it just the girls' football that is capitalising or football as a whole? Great question,
4: Loz. Um, Really good question. Uh, Look, if you look at the A-League, you'd have to say it's women's football, um, that has capitalised on it at this stage um, look for 54,000 forget the A-League for a moment, go to the Matildas for 54,000 people to pack Marvel Stadium for a game that was always going to be a, a stroll in the park is incredible That that is unbelievable and, and Michelle Heyman is a great um, example because last time she played for the Matildas they were playing in front of a few thousand people all of a sudden she's walking out to, in front of 54,000 so she's a great example of the difference in, in eras, I suppose. Um, but yeah, you, you're right. The A Leagues, at the end of the day, the, the Matildas and the Socceroos will always be the, the marquee brands of, of our game, of course. But um, the A Leagues really need to start pulling up their socks and capitalising on um, you know on, on that World Cup because uh, you know the, the gloss wears off pretty quickly.
1: Speaking of the A League, buddy, who wins the Sydney Derby?
4: Wow, um, I'm tipping a score draw, um, so I'm sitting on the fence, but not completely. I, there'll be goals, um, so I, I think. Um, look, I'd, I, I think one all would probably be about the right place to put your money um, on this one. But um, you know, both teams come into this one. I, I think um, I think in good shape. You know, the, the results have been a little bit mixed. Sydney have probably been in. Better form than Western Sydney, but the game's at Western Sydney, um, at, at Tom Bank Stadium. So um, yeah, I, I'm going to tip. Uh, I'm going to tip one-one in this one.
0: And uh, the Manchester derby is the big one in the Premier League. Just before we get your multi, there's a text from Shire Raz here. Morning lads, can we ask Mossy his thoughts on Marcus Rashford? He looks uninterested at United. I think he's run his race there. Also, what other players would Mossy sell at United? Shia uh, Shiraz
1: uh. You can't sell them all Mossy <laughs> <laughs> Take the words out of your mouth oh, so, <laughs> Start again I was, just, <laughs> I was wondering where to
0: start Can, um, can we still sell <laughs> Gary Neville
1: <laughs>
0: Beckham's available
1: apparently as well
0: <laughs> Oh dear. Peter Schmeich will come back um,
4: But uh, yeah look yeah, Rashford's not on his own, you know. I, I, yeah. I think the the, the the issue for the dressing room at Manchester United. unless us not go through all list because there's plenty of players that should be moved on, and and you know potentially staff as well. And am am I talking about Ten Hag specifically? Yes and no. I mean, I just think there's a staleness about the club, and and the broom needs to be swept through the place. And Rashford, yes, he does look disinterested, but maybe you know the writing's on the wall and he knows it, and you know he's moving on. For me, as a a professional, you've still got to turn up every day and do your job and make yourself attractive to a a potential buyer. Um, But it's just symptomatic of the culture or lack of culture at at United at the moment. And I've got a lot of my family are all Manchester United, died died in the wall Manchester United fans. We talk about it all the time, even they admit it. Like Manchester United fans are devastated with where the club is at at the moment. So um, do I think Rashford will go? Yes, I do, 100%. Do I think he'll be on his own? Absolutely not.
0: Who wins the game? We're obviously massive Manchester United fans this weekend. (laughs)
4: Absolutely. Mate, I love the club. Um, (laughs) Best. I'm going with Manchester City. um, Both teams to score, so I'm giving Manchester United just a sniff there and Kevin De Bruyne any time goal scorer.
0: Multi is up. What have you got?
4: For the multi, I'm going with... uh, It's just a two-legger. I'm going for Spurs, Andrew Spurs... Our Spurs, our second team, to beat Crystal Palace at home. It feels like ages since we've seen Spurs in action. Um, So they'll beat Crystal Palace at home, and Wellington will beat Adelaide at home in the A-League. So a bit of an EPL into an A-League.
0: Okay. Wellington all up Tottenham. 2 legger, 3 $3.04. Like it, Mossy. Beautiful. Good on you, guys. Brad Davidson, very good morning to you. Jared, morning, everyone. How are we? Good, thank you. Let's start with the surround. Uh, the group one for the Phillies, and uh, well, we've got Learning to Fly to run top two in the multi, along with Moravia top two, by the way, earlier in the day. Uh, but how do you see this surround stakes playing out?
5: Yeah, I'm with Learning to Fly, guys. I thought she was terrific first up off the long break. Um, it was a pretty good ride, really, because... She drew wide. They went back from the gate and uh, was able to sort of sneak up and and save some ground mid-race and get a clear crack at them. But, look, she still had to go back from that gate. She was restrained. Um, This time around, she's drawn perfectly. She's going to be able to posse up in a a beautiful position, settle that three lengths closer than she was able to do from that wide gate. And, look, I think she's the one with all the upside in the race. Um, Obviously, she's second up off a long break. That might be a little query, but... You know, it's also can be a positive and can be going forward off that run. Fourteen hundred looks ideal for her, and look, I think she turns the tables on Kamachi, and I think she's the clear horse to take out of the lead-up. Uh, McKenna brings that different form and um, might be the the danger for Mine, but look, I think she's uh, she's the one that's very very hard to beat, and happy to happy to side her way, learning to fly in the surround
1: stakes. Davo, can anyone beat Fangirl in the very very elegant stakes?
5: I don't think so, Clarkie. I mean, she was so dominant the other day. Uh, it was almost Winks like that performance. And, um, look, I suppose if there's a mad on-pace bias, perhaps, but look, rail true, Ramwick's generally the fairest track in the in the country when the rail's in the true position. So I don't see any any issues with any, any bias on the day. And uh, she'll get back to her thing, but she'll rattle home down the outside and uh, should be too good for them once again. I, I just think it's probably... Yeah, most of her rivals are looking for further still, and uh, and she's there at a mile at probably you know her pet trip. So uh, very, very hard to beat as the market suggests.
2: Down in Melbourne at Flemington tomorrow, Daver the Group One Australian Guineas. How do you see this playing out?
5: Yeah, Loz, it's an interesting one. Uh, Riff Rocket, look, he he might just be a really, really progressive horse. Um, We saw him step out and and win the derby last spring, but he just seems to be a sharper horse this time in, doesn't he? With that first up win of 1,400 metres, he's only going to love the step up to a mile, and providing he's not flat second up, which I don't think he will be, I think Chris Waller's a genius at, at getting these types of horses to just be a bit sharper the next time in, so he can potentially... You know, head towards a Queen Elizabeth or something like that. We'll wait and see if he if he, if he throws his horse in the deep end. But, um, look, he, he faces a similar field than what he did the other day. He beat them easily enough. And he, he's got to be the one with more improvement up to the mile, second up. So, um, yeah, clearly, clearly hard to beat again in the Australian Guineas down there riff Rocket. OK, we're going to give another
0: double pass out for the Punters Pavilion, uh, which you'll be hosting on Kembla Classic Day in two Fridays time, March fifteen. And a couple of noms here. Which one's your favourite, Davo? Firstly, Morning Gents. No omen, bet or dig at Loz. Just a horse that I think is overs. Won a Kyneton maiden over 1,100 metres by six lengths. Melbourne race five, number seven. Bonnie Amore says, Nutter a day. And another one. Morning, boys. My bets for tomorrow is related to the great man, Loza daily, Our Oz legend, race two, number 10, Melbourne, will be acquitted, race 10, number seven, that's in Sydney, I think, for his antics in Las Vegas. And he'll be just fine. Race seven number five. That's the Wollongong Wolf. Uh very well, creative.
5: Very much so. I'm gonna go with Bonnie Amore because I kind of agree with that, uh with that texture. I, I thought that win first up was sensational out 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 a bit wider. I love people looking a bit wider, doing the form out of those uh you know, smaller tracks and, uh, gee, if she's able to bring that form to town. Um, she's a little little smoky roughy there in, in that race. Obviously a big jumping grade, but, uh, yeah, I'm going to go Bonnie Moore. I think she's uh, – that listener might be on the mark. Well done, Not a Day. Uh, the Wollongong Wolf, for all
0: your efforts, you've fallen short. <laughs> but Double Lies thumbs down, Davo. <laughs> <laughs>
5: nah, I love it. And what's your best, Davo, tomorrow? Uh Best of the the day for me is Manal in the Sweet Embrace. I thought she was terrific. First up, I think 1,200 suits. And I think the best value comes up in the first. I think if you're back Mad Darcy in Vindication, I think you can get a result. We'll take on the favourite. And, uh, yeah, Mad Darcy, I thought, can turn the tables on Marshall Music. And I thought Vindication trialled the house down. So they were the two there in the first to back at at Ranwick tomorrow.
0: Okay, so Vindication is number eight. They're both $6.50. So in race one... Uh, Some value plays. Vindication, race one, number eight, Vindication, $6.50. Race one, number 14, Mad Darcy, $6.50. And Davo's best is in the Sweet Embrace. That's race six, number one, Manal, $2.15 currently with Tab. Davo, have a great weekend. You too. Thanks, guys.